Welcome to the first episode of In Residence, a new podcast series introducing you to artists, curators, staff, and collaborators of ArtPace, a contemporary art organization in San Antonio, Texas. At ArtPace, we believe providing access to the process of making art can change lives. I'm your host, Taylor Bates, Director of Programs and Exhibitions. My co-host for each episode is Scott Williams, Director of Archives and Communications. Residence is a really important, I think, for artists. I mean, if you want to keep growing and meeting people and expanding, I would encourage it if artists were wanting to grow and wanted some time away and experience a different city, uh, and then be put into a network of people that understand what you're doing and encourage it. That's the residency. That was Robert Hodge, our first guest for this inaugural episode of In Residence. He's a Houston artist and one of three residents at ArtPace this spring. Hodge is an emerging artist and musician whose practice extends past the studio walls. He scavenges material from urban environments and prioritizes engagement with local communities. For his ArtPace residency, he's recorded a new album titled Between the Devil and the Deep, referencing the myth that blues musician Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil in exchange for mastery of the guitar. The music you heard a moment ago is one track off of this forthcoming album. Hodge is also working on a new series of large-scale paintings that will be unveiled at ArtPace on March 16th. Now enjoy episode one of In Residence. I wanted to start out by asking how the places you've lived in have affected your artistic process. Mm, Okay. Um, I think very much so the environment as a big part of uh, my work, as far as especially city life. Um, a lot of my work uses uh, reclaimed paper and posters and things I find around the city, so having an active kind of uh, city is very important. Uh, San Antonio seems to be very clean, mm-hmm. and um, it's happening all over the country. Like The cities are becoming green, so my work is going to change because of that. But, um, yeah, Houston has a big part um, of my work. You know, I'm in the inner city. Uh, and I'm on the campus of Project Row Houses, so it's a super active neighborhood, and it also just kind of feeds the work. So even when I leave out of town, I come back, I hear conversations, I see things I normally wouldn't see, so it kind of keeps me, I think, grounded, too. It keeps the work where I want to be, where we, who I want to communicate with. Um, yeah, but I live in cities like Atlanta, New York, and I travel a lot, so all those cities kind of add to the work. And so as I find myself traveling more, I pick up things inside of the work and so it becomes I think ultimately becomes it'll feel international because I've been everywhere almost so um, yeah so it plays a major part Mm -hmm. are you from Houston originally I am originally from Houston yes cool have you lived kind of all over the city or yeah yeah I lived all over the city and I've traveled and but um, I've stayed there because I I made a commitment to Houston you know it wasn't always as cool as it is now and I wanted to kind of be one of those pioneers that stayed and um, how have you you seen Houston change kind of kept the culture moving Uh, it's grown tremendously. I mean, we—it's always been a city that supported artists, but um, now it's almost becoming the third largest city. A lot of new people are moving, so it's making the art scene very different because now it's not—you don't know everybody anymore. So when I go, when I come out of town, I, and I go back and I say I go out to a, a local bar. It's not—it doesn't feel local anymore. Like I don't know anybody. So it's like almost three thousand people moving to use in a day. So it's changing. Something like that, something like really ridiculous. So it's making it a whole, it's like really becoming a big city, which is great. 
Is that great, or do you do you sometimes resent? No, no, no. That's what you want. I mean, because I think if you're active, you and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I think I've made uh, some concrete things in Houston that it's my city, and so I know. I feel like I know the people I need to call if I need to make something happen. So I kind of appreciate that. You know, I feel like an insider now. So uh, no, I wanted to grow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we, we see that in San Antonio too. That we're they're, they keep throwing around the same figure that we're expecting something like a million more people to yeah. move to this city in the next twenty five years, and so we're we're trying to grapple with. I, I think all Texas cities are really grappling yeah, with yeah. that. And I think one thing it's really good for is the arts and culture scene because you just get a new, you you double the creative pot of people who are exactly. coming together to make this a beautiful place and a, and a creative and interesting place to live. Yeah, and this place is a staple, so like you don't have to worry about it not existing. It's only going to enhance it. So uh, you know, I'm not I'm not worried about more people coming. I think they're going to need somewhere to go. They're going to want to see art. And our place is going to be a place they're definitely going to come, and it's just going to grow it. So, um. sidebar: as a native Chicagoan, um, it hurts my soul a little bit to hear you say that Houston is about to become the third largest city because <laughs> no, was, we were the second city, and then yeah. we were the third city. Now we're going to be the fourth city. Oh, Before really? you know it, no one's even going to know what Chicago oh, is. Yeah. Be okay. uh, <laughs> I'll still be a White Sox fan at the end of the day. It's getting a bad rep right now. You know, being called Chirac and all that kind of stuff. That's but the I truth. Think every city has its growing pains, you know. So. Um, yeah, Chicago is an amazing city, though. That's the truth. Yeah, yeah it is. It's a great place. It's a great place to live. Well, and so you've been particularly interested in working with Houston's Third Ward. Yes. So talk about some of the projects you've done, like Beauty Box. Beauty Box. Uh, Beauty Box was a three-month installation that uh, was breaking down in three parts, like each month. So the first month was, um, I believe, we did like artist talks. So it'd be local, national artists. Uh, the next month became. Uh, film, so we would show really documentaries that are really relative to the neighborhood, um, short films, and then I would do like a, a blockbuster movie that was out in the movies, which technically I could do that. It was a bootleg. I probably could do that now, but um, now we have to get permission. But I think we show like After Earth, Will Smith, that thing at that time. <laughs> and then we, yeah, then we did the, um, the concert series, which is kind of like the dessert. And so I would bring in national and local artists to perform. Nice. And so... Actually, I'm doing that in Pittsburgh in September. I'm going out to Pittsburgh, and uh, it's something I want to I want to do more. And I'm I'm working with architects to kind of develop it, so we can take it across the country. It can be a mobile, but it's been a pretty it's pretty difficult. It's a lot of moving parts to it. You seem to have a really wide network. How how have you developed all these connections all across the country? Um, being open, man. You know, I just I'm I'm a social person. Um, I know that everything is collaboration, even if it's a solo exhibition. It's like, okay, I'm in this room, I'm, I'm at Art Pace, I'm having this exhibition. That's not solo. I mean, I have a staff here, I got people I'm talking to, I'm sharing ideas, you know, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting stuff fabricated. So everything is collaboration. And I think when you acknowledge that and make people understand that they're part of your process, then it, it becomes easier. And I'm not wanting to be like, oh, that's all me. I'm, you know, I, I want to be clear that I collaborate on everything because it's important. So, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, and I wouldn't want to claim that. And why would you want to do it alone? I think that's what makes something interesting, especially when a couple of different minds are involved. I think it can have a further reach on people. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that's how. But I'm just I just keep an open spirit. I'm not, you know, I'm not isolated. I'm not I'm introverted, but I think at the right moments. And how do you kind of merge your work with the community and then also being a professional artist and showing in museums and galleries? Um, you know, what kind of importance or weight do you give to one versus the other? 
Um, community is important because I usually live in the community I'm working in, so I'm very close to, you know, I'm, I'm, I would like to live in Third Ward. I don't anymore. I live in East Ham, but it's really close to Third Ward. So um, they kind of, if it's, if it's an issue, they're probably going to be impacted by both communities. So uh, it's very important. And I put more weight into, I think, the community than the art world, per se, which I definitely appreciate being part of it. But I'm always trying to figure out how to reach the, the average like civilian who's not really excited about art because, you know, you can find yourself preaching to the choir. So I look around at an art show or exhibition or a panel talk or, you know, it's the same people, you know, same city, same people. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, how can I tap into that resource of a neighborhood or community? It's like not figuring out how art is really relative to their life and very important. Um, Because some people have different, you know, we're dealing with finances and uh, class Sometimes some people just don't understand the importance of art. You know, oh, they don't have time to. Right. And so, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so engaged with that. But I'm really interested, in, like, how to get those people over into art. Absolutely. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's something that we're really um, trying to accomplish here at Art Pace is making sure we're relevant to our community and not just our community of artists. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think we're really excited to have artists like you who are also invested in the community, but. As an institution, it's, I think, maybe a little bit harder because we have a physical space that we're tied to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we've talked a lot about, you know, how do we um, be relevant yeah. and get people to feel comfortable to come into the doors. So I know you had mentioned that um, you, through Beauty Box, I think, you were engaging with a lot of people who wouldn't normally ever come into mm-hmm. a gallery, and you'd invite them to yeah. come to... Contemporary Arts Museum Houston, and it was kind of a challenge. Mm-hmm. So it's in your neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. How do you how do you bridge that gap? Um, you know, I just think that sometimes a cube and those lights can be intimidating. Like you know, you guys have glass outside. I don't know if you ever walked into, outside of a building, walking in, you see all these people inside, and they're drinking wine, they're having a great time. You might feel like I don't belong here. And I think you know, when, so Beauty Box kind of takes away that that kind of box and puts it directly in the neighborhood so you don't have to go far you don't have to have a car you don't have to ride a bus you don't have to catch an uber it's there for you it's free um and also i leave space for the neighborhood to 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 do programming so you can tell me your needs and then you know all through the week is yours except for friday and so i think that helps too because people have they want to have platforms to kind of you know work on plays or you know whatever they're doing and a beauty box kind of provides that that platform for them and I'm, I'm there. I have some budget money from, you know, of course, a grant so I can assist them in funding. And so that always helps, you know. So um, I don't know. I think we're all trying to figure out the same kind of challenge. I don't really. It's a Rupert's Cube. I'm not. I haven't figured it out. But Beauty Box was really surprising how many people came out. And I didn't expect that. I was just, you know, experimenting. Uh, I got inspired by Row House. You know, I'm, I'm close to Rick Lowe. I'm seeing what he, I'm seeing what Row House, the impact it has. I'm like, okay, um, you know, how can I step outside of my comfort zone just making paintings and drawings and, you know, so that was what it was for me, really kind of stepping out mm-hmm. and, um, you know, using art as a vehicle I think it could be, which is in engaging folks on their day-to-day life. And so, um, yeah, I think we are trying to figure it out. I don't have an answer for it, but yeah. Beauty Box is kind of successful in that, but um, I think because it was there and, and people just walking by, driving by and they'll see activity, like, oh, what's that? And they'll pull over and then they just, they got engaged. And then I was like, hey, it's every Friday. And so it picked up. Yeah. I think a big part of 
engaging your community is responding to what they want and what they need, right? Yes. And you, you seem to do that really well. I, you're, you were trained as a printmaker, right? Yeah, yeah. But you, you've dabbled in design and mm-hmm. you do painting and, you know, Beauty Box is kind of a community engagement, social engagement, mm-hmm. performance thing. Yeah. And you, now you're doing, you're a recording artist and a musician. How do you, how do you balance all that? Uh, very terribly. I'm trying. <laughs> it's really hard. I, I, you know, I, you know, I, my my dad who kind of was moving my work. You know, he was like, "Hey, man, can you just make paintings for a while?" And and that's really simple. And I would like to. I mean, I just, it's just, I can't. I'm being pulled a lot of different ways. And so I'm also trying to work on the balance. Um, because it's a great thing to collaborate, but it's also a challenge because there's a lot of different things you got to check on daily. And and that's sometimes. So I understand why artists just say, "Hey, I don't want to deal with that. I just want to do my thing." But um. Rick Lowe told me a long time ago that when you go into a community, just don't assume you know what they want. So the first thing I like to do is have a community meeting, find like the leaders in the community and find out what kind of needs the, the neighborhood needs. And so we can kind of, you know, match up and let them know I'm not, I'm not here to take, but to give. And so um, I like to get that clear because sometimes a lot of people like to come in like urban neighborhoods and, and, you know, do programming, but it's not really what the people want. And so... That's really I'm really considerate of you know and uh, of of not crossing that that that, that barrier of saying um, I know what you need because I think I do because you know I I I grew up in the, in the, in, the, in, the, in the inner city but still you know every city is different so so growing up what was your entry point into becoming an artist Ooh, my entry point. <sighs> I'm not sure, man. I, I want to say it's stuff like everybody. I was like seeing those Picassos, seeing like those those really, you know, the Coonings, like those really beautiful paintings in Houston. But um, I think like Floyd Newsom was a, a local artist in Houston who I knew personally. He lived like three blocks. I know not even like three houses down from me. So uh, he was the first professional artist I knew. Who I knew like, you know, did museum work and gallery work. And so um, maybe that was the entry point. But it's, it's always been happening. I think I did the blue ribbon, the rodeo drawings, you know, and I kind of won the blue ribbon every year. So I think from that point, I think I'm, I might be okay at this. But that was still that point of making these really detailed drawings and paintings, because you know, like where I was from, like if you didn't, if you couldn't paint a draw like that, you wouldn't really an artist. And so I think that's why it's so important to have a big, like have a, a huge understanding of art history, because my daughter's now is making these really loose, abstract paintings. I got so many artists I can reference and show her. And it builds confidence that I necessarily didn't have because if it didn't look detailed, you know, my, my mom and dad would be like, yeah, keep drawing, keep practicing. And I could be like, no, 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 that can looks great, you know, the way it is. And I can refer to somebody else. My entry point, yeah, I think it, yeah, I would say Picasso. I'm going to start there because, um, yeah, that's what I think I saw first. Okay. Yeah. Did you have a, a mentor kind of help guide you along? or? I did. Um, her name was Miss Dickey. And she was my my middle school. I went to Lanier. I was a purple pup in Houston. So I think she recognized my talent. And she told me about this performing visual arts high school. And she kind of encouraged me and helped me make a portfolio. And then I went, which I don't know how I got there. I don't know how I've been talking to my parents that let me go in there, you know. But I, I got in. And so I think, yeah, that's my first mentor who saw the spark that I had and kind of encouraged it. So Ms. Dickey, wherever you are, shouts out. Thanks, Ms. Dickey. <laughs> You can check out Miss Dickey's profile in our show notes. <laughs> so you collect a lot of material mm. from your environment and integrate it into your work. Yes. Um, so, you know, our, 
our question starting off about how does your environment impact your practice, um, how does, you know, being in Houston compared to San Antonio impact the materials you're integrating into your work? Oh, you know, San Antonio is, is different because you have these amazing signs here, these old, like, retro um, music, you know, signs that, that you know, that I want to grab. And it just, it's politics here. Like, you know, people own those signs and, and, they, and they respect them. They think they are, um, uh, I want to say, like, really expensive artifacts, and they are. Um, like, I found one I really loved, I wanted to incorporate it. And the guy was like, well, this dude offered this guy $7,000 for it, he turned it down. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm not getting that sign. So I, it's, it's a lot of things I find here are beautiful. I'm just still trying to navigate how to grab them because I want to be respectful of, like, who owns them, you know. And in Houston, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, it's just it's, we don't have the signs. But we have a lot of material just around that belongs to nobody. So um, I'm still trying to navigate San Antonio. I'm sure it's here. But um, I got to let things call to me, too. I, I may see something, but if it doesn't, you know, it's weird how it's, it lets you know, like, you belong to me. So um, I'm looking for that. So I'm still out trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. What is that? Is it something visual? Is it something textual about it? All of it. Visual, textual. It's like, you know, just knowing I'm working on something that, and that little piece fits. Um, it's very organic. It, very, it just speaks to you. I cannot put a, like a, a phrase on it and say, okay, this is what I'm looking for. It just, it just is. Like even when I'm picking out records for collages, like I don't know. Some things I know I might be looking for a figure, but some things I just, you know, it's organic. I'm looking through the, the dollar pile, and then I just, things are just hitting me. I'm like, okay, perfect. Some days I find 20 records, some days I find zero. So. Do you, when you're looking for things, do you, do you kind of go with a, a sense of I'm working on this project or I'm working under this idea and that's what speaks to you that day? Or is it just yeah. whatever kind of jumps out, you grab it and it goes into the archive for a project at some point? Well, I try to, to keep it organized like that and say, okay, I'm working on this this month. Let me find, let me find like records or things that kind of go along with that. But sometimes something is so beautiful. I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to use this for, but I need to get it now. And so, yeah, I just kind of like, you know, um, put it aside. Um, but yeah, usually I try, I try to keep it organized. I say, okay, I'm working on this. Like I'm here. To, I mean, San Antonio. I, want, I need to do a cover for the record. This is the name of the show. This is the name of the record and like the feel of it. Then I find records that kind of feel that way. Um, that's that's the only way to keep you know you not spending three hundred dollars in the record store because um, records get expensive. You know. So talking about records and record stores and music, you. Your residency started before your residency started, yes, right? And yes. you, you spent some time with some people you know down at the Gunter Hotel. Will yes. you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. First of all, I want to thank the Gunter for, for donating those, that room for a week, uh, which was very awesome of them. And um, So, yeah, I came down in November, uh, I think November 24th through the 28th. Right around and, Thanksgiving. Yeah, right around Thanksgiving. And, um, and that was important because those were the days that Robert Johnson had recorded his record here in San Antonio. So I kind of want to stay true to that date. And maybe I thought I could pick up some some um, residue energy from that recording in that room, and it, it really it really felt good. We made ten songs in what four or five days. Wow! So um, the energy was great. Um, yeah, and that was it was cool that our page kind of allowed for that to happen because I know usually my you know my residency started in in this year and in, in in the fiscal year, and so I know that's really important. And so I thank you guys too for seeing the vision and allowing me to record. And it sounds great. It's a little bit of soul, a little bit of blues, a little bit of hip-hop. Um, so we took the Delta Blues record from Robert Johnson and just kind of chopped it up. Mm-hmm. So I brought different musicians from Louisiana and Houston, and I have one, I have two San Antonio artists on the record, and I wanted more, but, um, you know, 
as they say, scouting, all that stuff takes time. And so, yeah. I can't wait to hear that record. I'm so excited about it. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I'm curious to see what people think, you know. I mean, I I love it. I mean, you know, if you like soul, you like blues, you like hip-hop, I think you'll appreciate it. You think you're going to release that record at our pace? Have a little record release party? Yes, yet? that's the plan. That's awesome. And I want to do a couple of digital singles, but ultimately I want people to have to come to our pace or come to the website to you know purchase the record. Great. On vinyl, limited edition, must we say, maybe like 300 to 500. Yes, sir. Yeah, so I think it would be great. Cool. And so you did the recording before you were actually here for your residency. Yes. What are you doing now? You've been here for about, um, what, Three, three weeks. Three yeah. weeks. Yeah. So what have you been working on? So I've been working on the imagery that matches the record. So I feel like you have the audio. Now, what does the visual look like? And so the name of the record is Between the Devil and the Deep. And it's a the Loneliest Monk song. But also it's, um, you know, it applies to Robert Johnson. This this theory of he sold his soul to the devil for his uh, amazing guitar skills. So I started thinking, is that possible? What is the soul? What does that look like? Can you sell it? Does it belong to you? You know, so it's all these kind of these 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 rabbit hole things I got into on YouTube. Mm-hmm. These videos I've been watching, and then you look up and it's six six, six a.m. in the morning. Um, so yeah, the paintings are are kind of asking questions, and I'm not I'm not I'm not sure anymore. I thought I was pretty sure. I thought I was like you know that's impossible, but you know YouTube is pretty amazing, man. So I'm really <laughs> not sure if you can sell your soul. I mean, I think I don't know. So I'm just I'm just I'm just it's, it's like examination kind of paintings, you know. Uh, symbolism. I want them to feel really energetic, feel great, but um, I'm still working out what they're going to ultimately be. But um, yeah, a lot of reading, a lot of watching videos, and uh, what I do is gather all my all my information, all my like silk screens. I make drawings, I make screens, and then I just go at it. I think like you know, it's accumulation of reading and just letting it all build up, and then it doesn't take long for it all to come out. What's a typical day for you like in the studio at Art Pace? Um, here, like I said, it's the, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to music, I'm putting records on, I'm researching, um, I'm layering paper, because that's a part of my process that you know, has to dry, and it's not the fun part, but it has to happen. Um, like I, I plan to spend like you know this weekend and next week going out in the city trying to find more things I can actually incorporate the paintings. Um, so yeah, that's a typical day, like you know, I'll get up around 9, 10, um, and now that I'm closer to what's happening, I'm gonna be in there all day, probably all night. So next week, I won't probably you won't see me as much, you know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We know where to find you. Yeah, you know where to find. Me. <laughs> yeah. You so, live here. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's also like just trusting your instincts and knowing how you how, what your process is. And I think every artist has an exhibition. And like you, sometimes you forget like what you do and how you do it. Uh, you have to kind of relax. And you're, so you're in residence right now with Nicholas Frank from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, yes. and, and Kate Newby from uh, Auckland, New Zealand, yes. both of whom will be on upcoming episodes of In Residence. Yes. Um, what's, your, what's your residency been like with those two? How have you three interacted? Um, it's weird because um, you don't always get along so well. I think we just, even when we met, we came down for the, for the site visit to look around. We, we really got really close. It was weird. And we communicated while we were in different parts of the country. Yeah. Oh, nice. And um, I think they're really generous. I think we, we share like this. I don't know what it is. I think we, we're all open and and uh, we all have different practices. So maybe that might also help. I don't know. I think we all in the same thing. Like what's for me is for me and what's for you is for you. And it's okay to share. If you need something, I'm there. I mean, it's, you know, and then just to bounce ideas off of it's important. 
So I don't know. I just I, they're lovely people, man. I, I, it's weird that we we get along really great. I feel like we'll be lifelong friends, you know. That's great. That's um, awesome. I remember when yeah. when you guys first set up shop when your residence first started. Um, I you're right next door to Nicholas Frank. Your your studios are next door to one another. One another, and I I walked in. And you had your record player set up, and mm-hmm. one of the speakers was pointed into your studio, and one of them was pointed into Nicholas's studio. Yeah, yeah. And it was like day two of the residency, and I just knew I was like, these yeah, these yeah, folks yeah. are getting along. This uh-huh. is great. Yeah, sure. Like <laughs> this yeah, is yeah, yeah. Nicholas like show. just borrowed my record player one day. You know, like no problem, man. Like, you know, like yeah, was, yeah. I think we get it, man. Um, I mean, we're. I, I mean, me personally, I feel like okay, I'm blessed to be here. I just I just realized the life of an artist. Can be can be difficult, and uh, to be here is like to be acknowledged for what you do is awesome. I mean, I look at that wall every day. I walk up those stairs, man. It just means something. Like those people are giants, a lot of them to me, and I followed their career since I was a kid. I remember coming here like in '98, I think on a high school trip or something. Oh yeah, and yeah, and just and like wow, wow man, like I want to be here one day, and you know, here you are. I'm, I'm here. So That's I mean, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Do Do you remember anything about the trip in '98? Do you remember what you saw? Um, I don't ask me that there wasn't that many names on the wall, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were fewer um, names. For sure. Yeah, it was just great. And I, I came back again, I think maybe three years later as you know, out of school and, and I did a little tour and just it just felt great. And you know, just to know that you had a living quarters upstairs and your studio was downstairs, you could access it twenty four hours. Um, you know, it's a big deal, you know. So And now your name will be on that wall. We'll be on that wall, yeah, yeah. And for our listeners out there, we have what we call our Art Pace Wall of Fame that includes um, all, how many how many resident artists have we had, archivist? 220. Okay. Resident artists since 1995. Yeah. Um, and you can find all of their work on our website at artpace.org. There's a, a living archive of all of our former residents. And yeah, one of the first things you see when you come into our building is this enormous wall of names yeah. from 1995 yeah. to now and there there are definitely some giants as giants. you put it Robert yeah, on that yeah. on that wall like, and wow. it's it's inspiring for us too because most of us were not here when a lot of those people yeah. were here so even just to work in this building feels like an honor sometimes yeah i mean definitely for me and i think if you're an artist and you look at that wall you're not asking yourself how did i get here i don't know i don't know if you've been honest with yourself i mean I think y'all know, and I think why we also get along. So I think all three of us have this humbleness about us, you know, that you know it's a gift to be, to be doing this. You know, mm-hmm. I don't take it for granted. So, um, you know. So, what do you think? What's important about residencies? Why, you know, why why do we do them? Why are why should they be a part of artistic culture? I think you you grow a lot each residency. You know, you it's, you have isolated time to research and really get into your work, and uh, you kind of get to step outside of the real world. For a little bit, you know, like I have a family, I have a beautiful wife and a five-year-old, and I miss them. But, you know, I'm just in the studio, you know, and, and you know, and and then you provided a budget and a stipend, and so it makes a lot. You know, you really have a clear head, and um, and most residents don't have a, a, a end product to it. You know, you just kind of make work, or you some people just research. They don't really make anything, but uh, I like the pressure of also having an exhibition at the end of it. So, you know, uh, I think artists need that little fire under the butt, you know, to kind of, you know, to move. Yeah, we, uh, it's a little different. I mean, it, our residency is one of the few that's really production-based. Um, what, but I, I think there's value to, to both types. You were at Skohegan, mm-hmm. right, in Absolutely. 2014? Yes. So what, tell us about that experience. Um, that experience was amazing, too. You know, um, I always tell a joke that I, I drove to Skohegan 
So I picked the studio furthest back, like uh, on site, because I thought I could drive every day. And then the next day, it was like, oh, yeah, no cars on campus. So I had the furthest studio. So I had to walk on like three massive hills oh, uh, to get to my studio. So, so it was, you uh, used to be a lot bigger as well. Yeah, yeah. I had a good shape at Skohegan. Um, but that's also what's amazing, because you have 65 of like the best artists in the country at that time, all in one place. And I think after about two weeks, you don't realize that you just you're starting to make these bonds with artists, and then you leave and go back to the world where you're like, oh my god, you start seeing those names everywhere, and you're like, wow, man, that's you know, you really appreciate of that, you know. So uh, same thing that you got a great research library, you know, you got your studio, uh, you have the artists uh, visits, the I mean, studio visits, the, um, the lectures, and I think the best thing about that was they had a library with every uh, single lecture you could listen to. Of all the artists, so you can always keep your inspiration going, you know. And so, um, yeah, resonances are really important, I think, for artists. I mean, if you want to keep growing and meeting people and expanding, um, because it's different from seeing somebody physical work to having your your energy in a building. Um, It changes everything. Yeah, I I just think so. Yeah, I would encourage it if artists were wanting to grow and wanted some time away and experience a different city, uh, and then be put into a network of people that understand what you're doing and encourage it. That's the residency. Because you just go to Chicago by yourself, but, you know, if you're in the residency, you're kind of plugged in. Somebody's know they, they understand what you're doing. They plug you in with curators and writers, and, you know, you kind of see the city in a different uh, viewpoint. So, And the Artbase Texas Open Call is open every July, so we'll, uh, we'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so we were talking the other day about the differences between – um, in particular, Houston's art community and mm-hmm. San Antonio's, and how um, you know maybe there's not enough um, critical feedback here in the San Antonio community. Mm-hmm. So you know, from your outsider perspective, but still being a Texan, um, how do you think that we could integrate more of that critical feedback into our community while still maintaining? The, the sense of we're all here to support each other because I know you you yeah. experienced that in Houston. You know, I was thinking about that because we talked about that. And we, you got to first start that. First of all, you got to know what a critique is supposed to do. And you got to be able to accept that and apply that to your work. It's like, you know, what's the point of reading a book if you don't – it's all about application. So first of all, I think we got we to gotta get artists and the mindset to understand that a critique is not to hurt your feelings – um, but also, whoever's giving the critique needs to understand how the language they need to talk to an artist and not to destroy the artist and to only build them up, you know. So I try to I try to put out the great things about the work and leave out the bad things because it's going to automatically drop off. Like, I don't have to tell you that's a terrible painting. I try to find the great things about it, and then we kind of build on, like, where the artist can go. And I find other artists that can inspire the artists to kind of, you know, lead the way for them. So I had to start there because I thought that was very important. I, I, I went to a school where all we did was get critiqued. So by the time I got to college, if somebody did say, that's a horrible painting, I didn't hurt my feelings. I was used to it saying, hey, we don't like that, blah, blah, blah. So um, that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, I guess, making a space where people feel safe and comfortable. And I think our pace already has that reputation. It's just maybe like, you know, figuring out how to have certain nights or like Wednesday nights, pizza, food, and then you bring a painting in and you have some really um, respected artists kind of give critiques, you know. Um, but also the artist has to be looking to grow. And so I don't want to put all the all the work on you guys or, or organizations 
Like I went out and looked for it. I knew where I, where I wanted to go, and it's there. You have to find it. So, you know, I want to take that with an excuse of, oh, I'm in San Antonio, I'm in Houston, I'm in Dallas, I'm in El Paso. It's, it's something there for you that can really help you grow, but you have to want to, you know, you have to want it. And so um, I'm not really sympathetic to artists who say they want it, but then they don't put in the work, which means going to openings, going to lectures, you know, you can, and YouTube is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so also in the world of the internet, I don't want to hear let them telling me that they can't, you know, it's, it's you, come on, man, you know, so um, it has to be a middle ground of where we all meet. Um, but yeah, having hustle and having drive is very critical to being an artist, not just saying, oh, I'm going to go to New York because it's, it's there, the culture is there. Even in New York, you still have to want it. You still have to put yourself in positions to meet people, go to lectures. So I think you have to make the best of where you are. Because every artist travels, so no matter if you're in El Paso, somebody you love is coming through El Paso for something. You need to make sure you're there to meet them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, no, that's, that's, um, <laughs> that's great um, advice. And um, it, it kind of leads me to think about um, your experience with the... Um, studio visit with Michelle Grabner, mm-hmm. who selected all three artists for your residency. Yes. So talk about um, what that studio visit with Michelle was like. It was, uh, we instantly clicked. So when I opened the door, she looked around my studio, and I think she, I don't know, I feel like she understood immediately what I was doing. Because my, my studio, is, it's a lot of things on the wall. It's, you know, um, shows I go to. Old prints, like you know, I just I, it's kind of a collective of like what I'm going through and what's happening in the city. And so, um, she looked around and we talked about the work and she saw it and we talked about music. And Michelle Grabner is um, a multidisciplinary artist as well, so she wasn't like, "Why are you doing all this stuff?" You know, she understood why. And so I think that's what that's what how we connected because I was she's like, "Okay, yeah, you can do all these things, tough as they may be, and I might complain about them." Uh, I think she gets it. So um, yeah, yeah. All three of our guest curators for 2017 are artists as yes. well as curate. I think artists first. Yes. Um, which has been really interesting and something new for Art Pace. Um, I think I can already see how it's shifted the mm-hmm. kind of artists that mm-hmm. are coming here. Um, you know, I think in general there is more of a focus on the community, mm-hmm. and um, you all are also very. Um, process oriented which mm-hmm. I think is nice um, I don't know if that necessarily has to do with the curators but um, it's always interesting to see how the guest curator's perspective mm-hmm. influences how yeah. all three of you um, kind of mesh and get along I was that's what I, that's my main thing I was wondering like I wonder like how Michelle you know picked us you know and I, I can't wait to pick her brain about that like what made you choose me then you know Nicholas and uh, Kate and because, like I said, it's totally different practices. But, right. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's energy. Or I don't know if she goes up there. You know, there's so many variables to it. I'm not sure. But, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely glad she did. Um, yeah, so, I mean, so you were saying um, the difference in the artist and the curator. So, I mean, what was the, what's the major difference? You said, I know you said community, but you feel like it's, it's more uh, like what's the major difference, you think? Well, I think that in the past – um, art pace has had a perception as being um, inaccessible to our general community mm-hmm. and 
maybe that was because we had more traditional curators and um, artists who were already very established. Mm -hmm. And there was a perception, like we talked about earlier, that um, as an outsider, I don't really belong here. I don't fit in with that group. Yeah. And I think the curators who identify more as artists themselves um, don't come from that traditional curatorial background and practice. Mm. And they seem to be a little bit more down to earth, mm -hmm. which I think translates to the kind of artists that they then select for the residency. Yeah, you all have been... Um, very down to earth, very easy to get along with, and um, I think in general more invested in um, interacting with people, connecting mm -hmm. with ArtPace staff. Um, so I don't know. What's your perspective, Scott? Well, I, one thing I've noticed is that I, I feel like, and it, it's certainly been true with your residency, Robert, but I think with all the artists that we're going to have in, in 2017, these curators have chosen people who the, the focus has been choosing artists who will really benefit from and thrive in the residency mm -hmm. environment that we have. And in the past, I think a lot of the focus has been on what can this person produce in eight weeks, mm -hmm. and now it's it's what can this person learn and grow with mm -hmm. in gotcha. eight weeks. Yeah. And I think that's a really beneficial thing for us and for you as artists and for the curators, too, to be able to kind of connect and network with, with new people that mm -hmm. they haven't worked with before. Um, so that I, I've I've really enjoyed seeing that, and I think, like you said, you all are getting along really well, mm -hmm. and it shows in the work that you've made so far because each one of you has been so prolific since you've been here. It's been amazing. Yeah, I appreciate I, it. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And last night we just had our open studios event, which is a new program for us that we've started um, this past summer, mm -hmm. and the idea behind that is really to put more of the emphasis on the process. Because really, that's what ArtPace is all about. We're not a museum. We don't have as much of a focus on the object. But in the past, the only experience or engagement that our community would have is meeting the resident artists at the beginning of their time and then seeing the, the finished product. product. Yeah. 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 And all of this amazing creation that happens in the midst just kind of gets drowned out. And, and we, as staff members, are always really lucky to see behind that curtain mm -hmm. and, and see what's going on and get to know you all. But you know, we really wanted to give our audience and our community an opportunity to meet you and vice versa. So I think we're successful there because that's, that's, the, that's the biggest comments I got from last night was we never get to see the process. And so it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see. That's and great to know. That is really good to no, know. Yeah. Really, I, that, that was the main thing. And but what made it difficult for me was because my to see the to see an end like painting and and and, and finish and really you know whatever the redefine re, like defined and really beautiful starting from the messy process. Me trying to explain that process was was kind of difficult. It was like I don't get how this gonna look like that from this. Trying to go through all of these steps is a lot of process already, you know. Right. But um, it was it was cool. It was cool. I, I mean, it was a good diverse crowd. Um, but that was a major comment. Like, wow, we get to see. Uh, we never saw like the this, this process of it. You know? uh -huh. Great. There's like nothing really there. Just a lot of papers around. You know, especially in my studio, they trying to you know so. Um, Kind of nerve wracking too, because I want people to see, you know, you, you know, if you want to let them in, yeah, 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 exactly, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know, you feel kind of like you're being judged a little, a little bit. Vulnerable. It's, not, it's, it's just part of like having that open studio. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
Yeah. And you get to kind of work through some of those ideas on your own too. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I hope it's beneficial for you too to have people come in and kind of talk to you about your work. Yeah, for sure. And I, I want them to say it that way because when they come back, they're like, wow, okay, whoa, okay, I get it. So, yeah. it's okay. Well, this has been really great. And for those of you out there listening who would like to see Robert's work, um, our opening for this cycle of residence will be March 16th from 6 to 9 p.m. at ArtPace. You can find out more information on our website, artpace.org. We do have one more question for you, Robert. Absolutely. And we went back and forth about whether or not to ask people this question. I think we're probably going to ask everybody, and it can be a touchy subject. So, you know, we, we just want you to brace yourself. Okay. <laughs> uh, where is your favorite breakfast taco? Yeah. Oh, San Antonio? It doesn't have to be in San Antonio. It should be, but it doesn't have to be. I'm going to tell you, sorry to hurt your feelings, but it's not. It's not. <laughs> no. It's not. All right, it's in me. Houston. Okay. On Navigation Street. Okay. Villa Tacos. Villa Tacos. They've been there for 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. The owner passed oh. maybe a few years ago. She was an amazing woman. And there's something about those tacos. They're just amazing. Yeah. Tacos here are good. I mean, I'm still, I'm only here three weeks, so I'm okay, still. Yeah. I'm Have still, you tried Oasis down the street I've yet? I've tried Oasis. Okay. It, was, it was good. Okay. But it's not Villa. All right. But I'm going to find a place that matches Villa, and I'll let you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll put a link to Villa in our show notes. Yeah. So that I'm not biased either. So don't think that because I'm from Houston, I'm saying that I'm not biased. I'm a foodie. So where we good food at, I'm going. <laughs> we'll try to sway you by uh, by the time you're resident. Okay. <laughs> well, Robert, thanks so much for your time. No we really problem. appreciate you being here. And, uh, yeah, thanks for kicking off in residence with us in spectacular yes. fashion. Absolutely. Thanks, Robert. No problem. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast, write us a review on iTunes, and check out our website. ArtPace depends on your support. You can donate or join our organization as a member by visiting artpace.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode of In Residence. Please stay tuned for our next episode with Milwaukee-based artist-in-residence Nicholas Frank.